Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. This current time, we're limited. We're limited by our humanity to one extent or another. However, once this corruptible has put on incorruption, once this mortal has put on immortality, it's then that we'll no longer need these temporary, these partial experiences of the supernatural presence of God because we're going to be right in His presence. I won't need the gift of knowledge anymore. No. I'll I'll know because I'm there. There will be a time when the spiritual gifts are no longer needed. Pastor David shows us that when we are in God's presence because we go to heaven or when God comes back, we'll no longer need our spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are a catalyst by which we encourage ourselves and others to walk with God in our present time. So, seek the gifts of God to be used for God until that time comes. When He does come, we'll have all that we need for a perfect understanding of God. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, order in the church. tonight is order in the church order in the church you know if you teach topically there's some teachers that teach topically and they continually look for controversial things that they can teach on it's just the mentality that they have they're just always going with controversy there's some teachers that teach topically and they never ever touch on anything controversial. As a matter of fact, you're going to find, yeah, I mean, they, for, for sure, they're always going to give just a feel-good message, and they're never going to touch on anything that's going to make anybody uncomfortable. However, when you're going what they call exegetical, verse by verse through the Bible, you go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Bible, guess what you're going to hit on every once in a while? Controversial things. So tonight, we're going to teach on two controversial things, the gift of tongues and women being quiet in church. Now, how is that for a good night, huh? Okay. Why don't we close in prayer, and I'm going to get out of the the parking lot before it gets, yeah, too uh, warm in here. Well, one thing I know, tongues, a lot of people today look at that and think, man, that's a very controversial thing. But did you know that Tongues was controversial in Paul's day, too. And Paul had to deal with the controversy of it. As a matter of fact, I think that God works in controversial ways in in kind of a normal fashion. That's the way God works. He puts us on the edge. He takes us out of our comfort zones 
Why? Because he wants us to be looking at him and not just at our, 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 our comfortable, hey, I got God in a box and he fits all nice and neat and tidy. And you know what? God will not allow us to put him in a box. Some people say, well, man, I'll blow the top right off the box. No, he'll blow the box apart, okay? And about the time that we figure God's, we, got, we have God all figured out, then he's going to do something that's going to amaze us. He is supernatural, okay? Can we agree that God is supernatural? He is beyond the natural. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, one of the things that we do know, and that the thing that we've got to continually be brought back to understanding is, God always conforms to his word, okay? Now, that we do know. He conforms to his word. He's given his word, and as a matter of fact, he says, I honor my word above my name. So we know that God is going to act and move within the, I don't want to say the confines, but at least within the understanding of what his word declares for us. Now, Paul has already touched on this whole reality of the gifts and the gift of tongues along with that here in 1 Corinthians. That's where we're at this evening. He's, he's touched on it in 1 Corinthians 12 as well as uh, uh, chapter 13. We are now in chapter 14. So as we've looked over these chapters, and we've actually been on chapters 12 and 13, and even chapter 14 we uh, got into last week, we've been on them for quite a while. So I don't really feel it's necessary to go back and review all of that again. However, to be able to keep it within the context of what we're doing, we are definitely going to go back and touch on some things to, again, bring our understanding completely and fully uh, to what, what Paul is saying. Because, you know, we look at this, and, and as we go through here, sometimes I might take uh, six or eight verses, sometimes I might take half a chapter, sometimes in those rare occasions, and I know it's rare, I might take a full chapter at a time. But you need to understand that when Corinth got this letter, it was all one letter, okay? They didn't stop and say, hey, let's read uh, verses 1 through 7 today. Next week when we gather, we'll read verses 8 through 22. No, they, they read it and they understood it together. So the context of it was always you know, apparent to them. So as we look at that tonight, that's where we're at. We're going to begin here in the section that we label as chapter 14. Of course, Paul didn't label any of the chapters. That came long after that. And it begins to narrow in on this issue or the problems with, in particular, the gift of tongues. Now, in no way, you need to understand, in no way is Paul denying or directing the church of Corinth to, to get rid of this troubling gift. It is a troubling gift. Paul recognizes that. Corinth has proved it, and we see it even today. But he's not telling them to get rid of it. He simply wants them to understand it and to use it in the right way. And as a matter of fact, down there in chapter 14, at the very end of chapter 14, look at what he says there, verses 39 and 40. He ends this whole section, chapters 12, 13, and 14, about the gifts. He ends it with these words. Therefore, brethren... Desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. But then he says, let all things be done decently and in order. So as I've stated before, I, I, I don't believe that you can rightly exegete or, or, or teach this passage, whether it be chapter 12, 13, or 14, and in particular chapter 13, 
verses 8 through 12, I don't think that you can remain faithful to the Greek sentence structure as well as the contextual noun and verb usage and come away with the idea that the gifts that are listed in chapters 12, 13, or 14 have been done away with. You you just can't do that in, in fairness. On top of that, if all the gifts, if all the gifts have not been done away with, then how can anyone pick and choose which ones are done away with and on what biblical authority can they really rest their case? Well, I think that one's done away with because I'm not comfortable with that one at all. Oh, well, no, I like that one, so that's still valid for today. How do we do that? That's totally unfair to to the Scripture. So again, we, we need to look at this. Paul uses three gifts there in chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. Three gifts there, uh, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. And again, these are most clearly, they're, they're given as simply an example. It's not the totality, totality of the gifts that he's speaking about. Go with me, if you would, to chapter 13. Look with me, if you would, verses 8 through 12. And I think you're going to find hopefully we'll find together the clearest, most direct understanding of that passage. Chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. Paul says, love never fails. But rather there are prophecies, they will fail. Rather there are tongues, they will cease. Rather there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I believe that what's he's, what he's speaking about there is this final end, when this final end has come. Whether that be thinking of the millennial reign of Christ or the end of the earth and the heavens as we know it and the making of the new heavens and the earth, it'll be at that time, and I believe it's only at that time, the final consummation of all things as we know them, as we see them, as we understand them. It's then and only then, I believe, that again, we're going to see face to face. That's we're going to we're going we're to see the Lord face to face at that point in time. It's only then that I'm going to be able to know, just as I'm known. God knows everything about me. There's some things about me I don't even know that God knows. There's going to come a time though that I'm going to know, just as I'm known. And beloved, that wasn't in the completion or the canon of the scripture. That wasn't when finally the last apostle died and said, boom, now I know everything because John finally died. No, that's not the case. Because again, that's not what was perfect. What's perfect is when this world is done away with and that new world comes. Again, that's when that which is perfect has come and that which is in part will be done away with. All of the gifts of the Spirit are partial at this point in time. At this age and this time in all of humanity and all of creation, the gifts are partial. 
this current time, we're limited. We're limited by our humanity to one extent or another. However, once this corruptible has put on incorruption, once this mortal has put on immortality, it's then that we'll no longer need these temporary, these partial experiences of the supernatural presence of God because we're going to be right in his presence. I won't need the gift of knowledge anymore. No, I'll I'll know because I'm there. I won't need a, a word of wisdom then as a special gift from the Holy Spirit. No, because we'll know, we'll understand, we'll see, we'll We'll, 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 we'll know all things. That's the promise of God's word. I honestly don't believe that you can read this passage without a pre- preconceived notion and come away with any other idea or understanding of Paul's message. If you go at it with the understanding or with a preconceived notion that no, all of these gifts or most of these gifts or a third of these gifts or at least the sign gifts were done away with at the death of the last apostle. They were done away with the final canonization of the 66 books of the Bible. We no longer needed them because now we have the word of God. If we go with that idea and we start reading the word, then we start filling in our understanding of it into Paul's words. But if you pull away from those, that preconceived understanding, I don't see how you can feed that thought process into here and be faithful to the Greek structure, to the words that are listed there. And again, last time we uh, ended this up, we were in chapter 14, and I think we ended up in verse 19. And now here's where Paul tells the church that he's glad, he speaks in tongues more than all of them, and yet he stresses this greater importance of speaking even five intelligent words over 10,000 words in a tongue. He wanted the church to understand the importance and yet the balance of speaking in tongues. He wanted the church to know the significance of tongues and yet at the same time, the greater necessity of declaring the word of God in a way that everybody can understand. We get so excited about a, a spiritual gift that gives us, you know, goosebumps on us or, you know, gets us in some kind of a, a spiritual euphoria rather than, hey, you know what? How about just being able to rightly divide the word of truth? How about being able to open up the word of God and you know it so well or the gift of God coming through you in such a way that you can actually proclaim the truth of God's word in a way that people say, wow, I've never seen that like that before. And yet it's the truth of God's word. That's why Paul says prophecy is so important that we can teach, we can proclaim, we can tell forth the word of God in a clear, concise way. He wanted the church to understand all of that. It's from this point here that he continues on. We're now in uh, chapter 14, verse 20, and the following verses. He said, brethren, do not be children in understanding. I like to put a little bit of emphasis on, you know, we we look at the black and white, and a lot of times we don't necessarily feel the emotion that perhaps Paul might be uh, writing this or at least dictating it to the individual that might be writing. You know, sometimes I think he's probably slapping himself on the head. Paul probably had a flat and a a bare forehead just like mine from uh, slapping himself on the head. Guys, I don't want you to be children in understanding. However, in, in, in malice... Be babes, but in understanding, be mature. In other words, grow up, guys. 
come to a fullness of understanding. Here he tells them, don't be children in understanding. In understanding, you need to be mature. He's in essence saying that their current understanding and their current usage of the gifts is immature. He's writing to these guys to say, you know what? You guys are acting like a bunch of kids, a bunch of children, and you need to grow up in these things. You need to get mature in this. And that's what he's telling them in essence. And again, they didn't understand how to use what God had gifted them with. And there were apparent misuses in an effort for them to be able to demonstrate their own individual spirituality. I want to show you that I'm more spiritual than you are. So I'm going to draw great attention to my gift over your gift. And that's kind of what was going on in Corinth. And we'll see that a little bit later as we get into uh, chapter 14 a little bit further. We already know that they had cliques. Remember, we dealt with that at the earlier part. And again, this spiritual one-upsmanship that this church battled with. Aren't you glad the church doesn't battle with that today? Amen? Yeah, okay. You've been to that church too, huh? Okay. Well, anyway, they, they, they were using their spiritual gifts for their own personal gain and without regard to the edification of the church as a whole, when in reality, that's the whole reason the gifts were given. And again, that's the issue that Paul's now addressing. Now, the next couple of verses, I've got to admit to you, they're they're really difficult, very, very difficult at best to be able to interpret clearly. And there's a variety of understandings of what these verses mean, but let's go ahead and take a look at it. In verse 21, Paul reminds them of the words of Isaiah the prophet. He says in verse 21, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. And then he goes with this kind of interpretation of this thing in verse 22. He says, Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now, Paul refers, when he quotes there from Isaiah, he's referring to a time in in Israel's life when they had been running away from the truth of what they knew God had told them to do. They were living in rebellion. They were uh, getting into idol worship, moving away from the worship of the one true God. And God now, he warns them that his judgment is going to come upon them, and it's going to be certain. He told them there in Isaiah and through other prophets that soon the Assyrians were going to come down and take them over. And in other words, the Assyrians would soon be upon them. They were going to be speaking foreign and unknown tongues as they occupied the streets and the villages and the towns of Israel. They're speaking Assyrian, not Hebrew. They're going to come in with these foreign tongues. Why was that happening? Because God was bringing judgment on Israel. Because of the Jews' unbelief, God was going to judge them with a people of unknown tongues. The unknown tongues came at a time of unbelief. And yet God also used the words of prophecy and the message of prophecy to continue to minister to those who continued to believe, who continued to obey the Lord. Now stick with me here. Even in the midst of this major unbelief and rebellion, 
there remained a remnant that believed and they received the truth of God through the words of prophecy. So again, therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. As we look at this, there seems to be easy enough to understand. However, when we add the next verse, that's where the conflict comes in. That's where it gets really complicated. Stick with me here. Look at verse 23. Paul then tells them, he says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he will be convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now, do you catch the conflict of what's going on here? In one verse, he's he's clearly saying that tongues are a sign For the unbeliever, and prophecy is a sign for the believer. Now, in verses 23 and 24, he declares that an unbeliever is going to think you're nuts. You're out of your mind if he comes in and everybody's speaking in a tongue. And yet, if everybody prophesies, the unbeliever is going to be convicted, falling down on his face. He'll worship God and report that God is truly among you. So on one side, it looks like he's saying, well, tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. And then the other one, he says, no, tongues are a sign, they're not a sign for the unbeliever. On the one, he says, prophecy is a sign for the believer. And on the other one, it seems like he's saying, no, prophecy is a sign for the unbeliever. He'll look at that, he'll be convicted by all, he'll fall down on his face and give God the glory. Now, some look at this and they say, well, there must be a copyist error. Not that the original was an error, but somewhere along the line, there was a copyist error. And verse 22 should read, tongues are for a sign to those who believe, but not to unbelievers. But prophecy is for unbelievers, but not for those who believe. I don't know if you caught that, but it's a simple change of where you place our English word not makes a really simple explanation and you move on and you keep going. But the problem is that does a great injustice to God's word. You can't just move words around to make it fit your comfort zone. They're there for a reason. The only way that I can understand this, that I've come to a a good understanding and a peace, is to back away a little bit and take within the context of all that's going on and all that Paul is saying in the midst of it. If we back away a few steps, look at the whole of what Paul is sharing here with the Corinthian church, I think we can get an overall understanding of a few things. Number one, uh, in the Old Testament times, God used foreign nations and thus foreign tongues, unknown tongues, to come in as a declaration of his judgment against his people. Foreign tongues, therefore, In the Old Testament, they were a negative sign of God's great displeasure. Tongues were a sign of God's judgment. The Jews were unbelieving at that time. They weren't following God. And so God used these foreign nations coming in against these Jews who were non-believers. 
are so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.